Hey, let me let me just say something to the guys about this group activity that we're saying simp 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 simp. Um, it's it's not us being. It's, it's not us being simps. It was us serving the girls to help them win, okay? Um, it's not us being a simp. And, and no offense, but most, if not all of you guys, will one day be married, and you will do anything to honor and love your wife. So you'll all be simps one day, okay? So just, just putting it out there. Listen, I'm having a daughter in 10 weeks, so we're, I'm a, you know, so. And by, by the, by, when I say me, I mean my wife. She's the one actually giving birth, okay? Uh, um, on, on a serious note, on a serious note, I just turned the AC on, so it should kick up here shortly. Uh, on a serious note, uh, boys, after the last worship song, uh, just stick around up here for a sec. We all need to just, as boys talk, young men I should say, just need to chat um, real quickly. Um, don't get all like, oh, they're in trouble by the principal or something like Like, Don't. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Um, just a couple things. For those who are going on spring retreat and we're not at the meeting, Please make sure you come see me after small groups or before you leave so I can get you the packet of information that you need. Just some quick highlights so you know some key themes we talked about during the the meeting. Uh, Number one, so you can process this now for the next week and one day. No students are allowed to have cell phones on this retreat. (laughs) No cell phone. Wow. Wow, I'm actually surprised about that. And then there's Toby back here, like... Spring retreat. Next weekend. No cell phones at all. No, I'm being serious. <laughs> yeah. uh, cell phones need to stay home, and if we find out you have your cell phone, well, we're taking it away until we leave from the campsite on Saturday. Just, just, yes. Great question. That's a great question. So, uh, us as leaders will have our cell phones. So, if there's an emergency or, or they need to talk to a parent about something real quickly, they'll, we'll, we'll call the parent. Um, but if the parent has an emergency where one of you students need to go home, they have mine and Rachel's contact information, and they'll be able to contact us. But here's the reason why we're doing it. We want this retreat to be a weekend, and it's called a retreat which means we're getting away from all the noise and the hoopla that's on your cell phones. No, that's fine. Uh, Anthony. Yeah, I mean, we got leaders here that will take photos, so don't, don't, don't worry. All right? So, all right. So with that, let's continue on in our study in First Peter. Um, can t- someone tell me a little bit about what we talked about last week? Yeah, that's a great. What, what did we talk about, Tim? Say it. MTD. Oh, what's what's MTD? Does anyone? <laughs> no. Uh, Eva, Eva, what's MTD? Wait, wait, shh. It's Eva's time to speak. Eva, what is MTD? It's okay. You're fine. Yes. Yeah. All right. Can you? Can anyone simplify for me and we what that meant, Dante? Right, and and that's and that's wrong theology, right? Yes. Would you say say it again? Go ahead, just say it again. God wouldn't have sent Jesus to die on the cross. That that sacrifice would have been for nothing if we could just whoop you were a good person. We get to heaven, but no, Jesus is the only way. 
Amen. 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 Good stuff. All right. Anything else? One more. I'll take one more. Anyone? Anyone else? Okay. That's fine. Uh, one of the last things we talked about was with all that we were talking about holy living and what it means to to live and strive for a holy life, meaning that we pursue after Christ, that we want to live for Christ. And so tonight we start chapter two. We're already on chapter two already. Can you believe it? Chapter two in First Peter, and we're going to talk a little bit about this um, holy living. Focus. They can. Hey, we can focus on water later. Focus up here. Pay attention. All right. All right. Let me tell you a little story here before we go into uh, our chapter two study, which is on page six sixty. So, but let me let me tell a little story here. At the end of World War II, um, there were there were many businesses in Germany uh, that had major structural damage because of all the bombing that took place in Germany. Uh, there, there was one businessman who, who whose building was damaged and the structure was a little damaged. He put a sign on the front door that read, "Business as usual." Okay, so business as usual to this damaged building, and so. I tell you that little funny story, even though you didn't laugh. But um, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Wasn't I wasn't I wasn't fishing for a laugh. I was just saying. Okay. Too often, too often, it is easy for us who proclaim to be Christ followers to put a sign around our lives that says "business as usual." Hey, now that I surrendered my life to Christ, ah, it's still business as usual. However, when God saved us and we proclaim that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, we should no longer desire to have a sign that says, business as usual. We should have a sign that says, under new management. new sign that says, under new management. So as we continue our study here in 1 Peter, we are going to see here in these next 10 verses in chapter 2, Peter's going to emphasize the importance of growing up spiritually. Uh, he's also going to share what causes us to grow spiritually and what can hinder our growth. He'll also emphasize the importance of growing on the right foundation and the urgency to fight the war that is within side of us. So if you would, if you have your Bibles or your Bibles app, app Join me in chapter 2 of 1 Peter. Again, if you have those Bibles that we gave out, we're going to be on page 660. Starting at verse 1 in chapter 2. Chapter 2, 1 Peter. Let's start at the first verse. Are we ready? Okay. Therefore... Rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like a newborn infant's desire the pure milk of the word, like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word, so that you may grow up into your salvation, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priest, priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in Him will never be put to shame." So honor will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone, and a stone to stumble over, and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word, and they were destined for this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you, were, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had, no, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day He visits. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this evening, Lord. God, I thank you for all the students uh, that are joining with us this evening, Lord, and I thank you for all the leaders that are here joining with us and serving uh, these students here tonight, Lord God. Uh, we do lift up Heidi Gordon, one of our leaders who is not feeling the greatest today, Lord God. Uh, I pray that her doctor's appointment went well, Lord Jesus, and I pray and ask you in the name of Jesus Christ that she makes a, a full uh, and quick recovery of whatever sickness she may be dealing with right now, Lord God. Father, I pray for the parents that are downstairs right now uh, praying right now in a spiritual warfare that's taking place when we pray, Lord God. I pray that they continue uh, to uh, have focused minds in their prayers, Lord God. And I give you thanks for for them praying, uh, not just for us on this evening, but for things in general uh, regarding the church, regarding the state of the world, and ultimately wanting to see people come to know you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior. Father, as we continue through 1 Peter today, Lord God, I, I pray that we can come away knowing that our lives should look different. When, when we proclaim your name and we say, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior, I give it all to you. I give my all, my entire life to you. It should look different than what the world is calling us to be, Lord God. So, Father, as we go through these scriptures here and dive in a little bit more, Lord God, I pray that we recognize the importance of taking spiritual junk food out of our lives. And, Father, that we are building on the right foundation that is you, Jesus, and you alone. God, I thank you, and we praise you in your heavenly name. Amen. So, we see here, we see here that Peter starts a sentence again with therefore. All right? And again, this means Peter's referencing back to the last paragraph, the last few paragraphs that took place in chapter 1 about being born again and living a holy life. And Peter's making it a point to the believers, now that you are born again, you should know the following first thing that he wants us to recognize is our need for spiritual growth. So if you're taking notes based off the section, we're going to look at the first three verses. I called this section spiritual nourishment. Spiritual nourishment. Let's look at verses 1 through 2. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants desire the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow up into your salvation. In this sentence, Peter is giving us a warning of what should be in our spiritual diets and what shouldn't be. Let me give you an example. I remember growing up as a kid, as a teenager, I was a teenager once. Yeah, now I'm turning 30 in August, so, um, okay. And during dinner time, my mom and dad would emphasize the importance of eating my vegetables. One vegetable that I really didn't care for, and my wife knows this, is cooked broccoli. Cooked. All right. All right, all right, all right. All right. Now, it sounds like many of you don't like cooked broccoli, and there's other veggies you may not like. And I would give my mom a hard time, and maybe you give your mom or dad a hard time about eating it. However, however, if my mom was to put a Reese's peanut butter cup on the table, I'd have no problem eating the whole piece of pie. What? Reese's peanut butter cup pie. Sorry. Reese's... Alright. See, here's, here's, here's the thing. I desired the sweet richness of the peanut butter and chocolate that, and the whipped cream that was the pie, even though it doesn't really help my body. 
Honestly, it just made me gain a few pounds. All right? While the cooked broccoli or any vegetables provide the nutrients that my body needs. I say all this to say that Peter in these verses is telling us to get rid of some spiritual junk food that is sin and to start craving the truth of God's Word. Peter lists five of these spiritual junk foods that we should avoid, and I'm going to use the whiteboard here. My handy-dandy whiteboard. I know, that would have been easier. Alright. Alright, alright, don't, it's just a whiteboard, alright? Like, don't get, don't get too excited about it. Alright. So let's look at some of these spiritual junk foods, alright? Let's just call it that. Junk. Also known as sin. Let's not downplay what sin is, alright? So the first one, is malice. What is that? Malice. Great question. Does anyone know what malice is? Caitlin. Okay, go for Gosh, what's your guess? What's what is malice? It's okay. Dante, what's malice? Yes, a, a hatred spirit, alright? A hatred spirit that desires to hurt people. Malice, a hatred spirit that desires to hurt people. An example would be, let's say you come into this youth group and maybe maybe you have a, a issue or a issue with someone here, or maybe in your school you have an issue with them, and you think, I don't like them, so I am going to pick on them, or I'm going to bully them, or I'm gonna you fill in the blank. And you have that you have that hatred to them that you pinpoint and pick on them every single day. That's malice, the bad behavior. Second one that we see here is deceit. Does anyone know what deceit is? Lie, okay. Sydney? That's that's one of the other ones, but that's you're on the right track. Sorry. Trickery, yes, trickery. I don't know if that's how you spell trickery, but we're just going to go with it. To trick or to bait someone. Uh, I think it's T-R-I-C-K-E-R-Y, but I could be wrong. Spelling's not my... I know. Sorry, my handwriting's pretty bad. Alright, so trickery. To, to bait someone into a trap and, and um, hurt them after you do that. Next one. Hypocrisy. Does anyone know what hypocrisy is? Oh, Anthony. It's on. It's on the right track. Okay. All right. All right. Go ahead. Yeah. That, yeah. Good point. Yeah. So, what the definition that I got here, based from the uh, from the yeah, let's focus. Based off the Bible dictionary, it says pretending to have qualities or beliefs you don't really have. Pretending to have qualities or beliefs you don't really have. Sorry, I write like a like a Chicken scratch, chicken scratch there. But so, for example, this one, this is one that that can happen and actually does happen a lot um, in the church. Is that there are people who will pretend to have the qualities of a Christian, will pretend that they believe in Christianity because they come on a Wednesday or they come on a Sunday or they come on some type of trip or whatever. But the moment they leave, 
they actually in their heart of hearts is like, nope, I actually don't believe in that. I'm just here to fool you guys. Next one is envy. Envy. Does anyone know what envy is? Vincent. Jealousy. Jealousy. Okay. Why would the person be jealous? Caitlin. Right, yeah, there you go. Jealous or resentment towards someone's possessions or success. Jealous. Or possessions. An example of this. Hey guys, can we just tone down the side chatter here, please? An example of this would be if you're on a sports team and you were really hoping to become a captain of that sports team and someone else became captain and you became jealous of them. You had envy towards them. Or let's say maybe the new, I don't know if people play this, but the PlayStation 5, you have a friend who has a PlayStation 5 and you really wanted one and you're jealous and mad at them because they haven't. Yes, and I have a GameCube. <laughs> all right. It's all good. Last one. Slander. No, not slaughter. Not slaughter. Not slaughter. Slander. Slander. Sydney, you mentioned this earlier. What's slander? Yes, spreading disbeliefs about someone. So saying false words, false words that damage a person's reputation. Yeah, in a sense, verbal slaughter. You can, yeah, that's a good point. So, so yeah, this would be, this would be an example of like starting a rumor. Um, saying something like you're at school and maybe maybe there's a girl or a guy you really don't particularly like and you're like, hey, let's get back at them for whatever reason and you say something negative and you start telling the rest of the school even though it's not true. Okay? Listen, as followers of Jesus Christ, these are just five. These are just five sins that infiltrate all of our hearts. And you, you, are very, you can be very tempted to say, oh, I don't deal with any of those. I don't struggle with any of those. And I would encourage you to go to God's Word and really check your heart on that. Because every single one... Well, I won't put yourself in my shoes, but I know in my life, I have struggled with every single one of these things. And Peter is telling us here that as followers of Christ, if we're proclaiming to be Christ followers, these are things that we should not desire. But as Peter says, we should desire the pure milk of the Word. Listen, I just mentioned, just mentioned earlier that Rachel and I are expecting our first child in about 10 or 11 weeks, and she will be here in the world. And one of the things that we recognize is that the baby is going to want milk. And when it comes to this, she's going to want it because she's hungry. Now, how is she going to act? Is she just going to be like, oh, I want milk. And be happy. And, 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 and be happy and just give a smile and say, give me milk. No. Dante? Yes, she's going to whine and cry and kick and scream until she gets the milk that she wants. Listen, as a believer, as a believer in Jesus Christ, our souls should desire the milk that is the truth of God's Word. We should desire in our souls and our hearts, if we truly proclaim to be Christ followers, to want the milk of God's Word. Our attitude should never be when it comes to going into God's Word, man, I have to read this book again. 
man, I have to go through the same gospel again. Instead, it should be, I get to read the Word of God. I'm excited to read the Word of God. We can fall into this mindset of reading the Bible, of like, oh man, I have to read my Bible again, as a chore for a couple reasons. Number one, we, we truly don't desire the truth that's in God's Word. We don't truly desire the truth of God's Word, and, and you know, that's where the, the sin of hypocrisy is. You say one thing, but maybe you don't actually believe it. Second thing is, we get distracted and we allow the junk food in our lives. We're like, okay, I'm about to sit down, and then, ooh, video games. Listen, I play video games from time to time. I'm not saying video games are bad, but if, if they're distracting you from growing in your relationship with the Lord, then maybe it's something you need to pray about. And the third one, I, this, is, this is one that I think we really need to get a grip on. If, that this third idea of us getting like, oh man, I, get to be, I have to be in God's Word again. We take the Word of God for granted. We, we take the Word of God for granted. We take the milk that is the truth of God's Word and we take it for granted. Listen, look up here for a sec. Look up here for a sec. Maybe you've heard it in schools and maybe you've heard it on media or maybe you've seen things on your phone on social media talking about how bad America is and, and how oppressed America is. Listen, you live still in one of the freest countries here. There are people who die, like listen to me, they die for the fact that they have a Bible in their backs. They, they die because they're reading God's Word. And sometimes we can take it for granted, like, oh, well, it's on my phone, I'll, I'll get to it any day. And, and there's people in other countries like Iran and China and Turkey and Pakistan and Iraq who would die just to read some truth of God's Word. This isn't meant to scare anyone or anything like that, this is, this is just a reality. We should never take for granted the freedom that we have to read God's Word today. We should never take it for granted. But in in reality, we should be thanking God for His grace and mercy that we have the freedom to read His truth. And so now that Peter there says, okay, here are some things that can help you grow. Don't do this, but be hungry for the Word of God like a baby craves for milk. He then goes on in verses 4 through 10, talking about a foundation. Okay, you want to grow, you need to grow up in your salvation, and spiritually you need to grow up. But before you start growing up, there's a foundation that needs to be started. There's a starting place that needs to take place. Let's look at verses 4 through 5 here again. As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now notice here in verse 5 that Peter says, we are being built up to be holy priests through Jesus Christ. Listen, Peter is reminding the believers, he's reminding us here today that the foundation of our growth, don't miss this, the foundation of our growth is built on Jesus Christ and on Christ alone. He quotes in verse 6, Isaiah 28, 16, that says, Therefore the Lord God said, Look, I have laid a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. The one who believes will be unshakable. Does anyone know what a cornerstone is? This, wait, 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 who, who said that? Who was who speaking? Say it louder. What's a cornerstone? It's like the block on the corner of a house that raised Yeah, absolutely great. So the cornerstone uh, is the first stone that is laid in the construction of a building at the outer corner of two intersecting masonry walls. And you hit it right on point there. I was reading a blog because I don't know much about construction, and so I was trying to read a blog and, and get some wisdom, I guess, about this. And according to one blog, it's called The Little Known Purpose of a Cornerstone. 
It says, when building, building, when a building is first constructed, the cornerstone is the first stone to be set during the building process. Careful measurements are taken to ensure the cornerstone was square to ensure the proper alignment for the remainder of the building. So they, they make it, they measure it, the cornerstone, okay, it's good, they set it, the foundation, and from that point on it builds, and if it's good, the house won't lean, it's gonna look great. But if it's just off a little bit, it's gonna lean to the left, it's gonna lean to the right, it may actually collapse. Maybe, I don't know. I, I wasn't part of that construction there. Anyways, not a debate to get into right now. If you are going, if we are going to grow in our faith, if we are going to grow in our faith, we need to start with the right cornerstone. We need to start with the right foundation. And that is Jesus Christ. Peter warns us that there are people who will and have rejected the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. And in verse 8, he quotes Isaiah 8.14 that says, He will be a sanctuary, but for the two houses of Israel. He will be a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over and a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. See, to the unbeliever, the cornerstone of Jesus Christ will be in their way and they will do everything they can to get rid of Him. For years, centuries, thousands of years, since Jesus came and ascended, many have tripped and stumbled over Him and even tried to smash the cornerstone that is Christ Jesus. But His foundation still prevails. Amen? And while it's easy to look down on the unbeliever that says, oh, let's get rid of Him, let's get, we're stumbling over Him, let us be careful to examine our own lives especially us that proclaim to be Christ followers. I'm speaking this is who Peter's talking to. He's not talking to an unbeliever. He, listen, up here, focus. If you have proclaimed Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, this is a message for you. This is him telling you, listen, if you're going to live a life for Christ, here's what's not to be in your life and this is how a holy, living, pleasing life looks like. And as I said, it's easy to to look at other people and judge them. If we are truly building on our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ, we need to ask ourselves, are we truly building on the foundation of Christ? Jesus Himself asks us to examine our foundation. In Matthew 7, starting at verse 21, and I think it's on the note sheet, so leaders, if you guys want to talk about this later, you can. Matthew uh, Matthew 7, starting at verse 21 It says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons, and in your name do many tricks, do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the river rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it did not collapse because its foundation was on the rock, and the rock he is referencing to is himself. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the wind blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. See, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at His teaching because He was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. See, if you read verses previously to that, Jesus is actually calling out false teachers, false prophets. And you need to know this, that there are false teachers and false prophets out in the world. They use the name of Christ. They they may have the name church in front of them, but they are far from the truth. I'll give you some examples. We already talked about one of them last week, MTD. And as Dante said, it's a way of works and that good people get to heaven. 
Another one is the prosperity gospel. Anyone ever hear of the prosperity gospel? This is a false gospel that says if you believe in Jesus, He will make you a millionaire. Hey, just believe in Jesus, on the name of Jesus Christ, and He will make you a millionaire. What about all those in the other poor countries that profess the name of Jesus and have to survive every single day? There's the self-help gospel where it says that Jesus died to make a better version of yourself. You aren't a sinner, you just need some help. Well, if we weren't sinners, why would Jesus have to die for us? The next one is a signs and wonders gospel. If you are truly saved, if you are truly saved and you truly believe in Jesus, you will be able to perform signs and wonders. Now listen, I'm not against signs and wonders, I'm not against miracles, though miracles do take place. But we talked about it through Mark. It's, it's not our, it should never be our desire to chase the gifts. It shouldn't be our desire to perform miracles as Tim quoted, actually, as we were closing out Mark, and Jesus said it to uh, the disciples, He said, Don't be glad that these miracles took place, but be glad that your name is written in heaven. But yet, there are some that say, signs and wonders, if you're truly saved, then you can do all of this. Another one is that all religions save gospels. All religions save, I'm sorry. All religions save. And that this is the belief that we all have the same God. That Muhammad and Buddha and whatever Hinduism believes, that they, that they all go back to the one and true living God. And my question I always brought up from time to time, and I've said it in the March series before, as then why would Jesus be the one that got the short end of the stick? If all paths lead to the living God, why was it Jesus the one that had to pull the stick and be like, okay, you're the one that has to die? All paths do not lead to the living God. Jesus Himself said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to me, but comes to the Father but through me. And that's offensive to people today. They say, they say things like, oh, don't you see the division that's going on? And, and we should all unite. And they take some things out of context when Jesus says we should pray for unity, that Jesus prays for unity. Well, number one, Jesus is praying for unity in the church. He's saying that they will know you're my disciples because you love each other. And in the garden, he's praying for unity for the church, not for the whole world. And the second thing, Jesus also said something, um, these are Jesus' words, not mine. He's like, I did not come to make peace, but I came with a sword that will divide. The last false gospel that is out there is that my, the, the my sexual preference gospel. My sexual preference gospel. Okay, let me explain. Let me just briefly say it and we're moving on. Whatever I desire sexually is okay. Whatever I desire sexually is okay. And unfortunately, this is penetrating many churches and many denominations where they're like, hey, you know what? We're against, you know, people have committing adulterous acts and having sex outside of marriage, but it's okay to be homosexual. Now listen, it's very easy, again, it's very easy when I say that, some people are like, oh, how dare you, you're hating people. I don't hate people, okay? I love people. I'm actually heartbroken for those who that actually struggle with that because there's a couple of things that may be happening. Number one, they may have an emotional d- detachment that is going on at home with their mom and dad, and because of those things, they go to the desire of the homosexuality, whatever way that looks like. Listen, just because your flesh desires something, just because your flesh desires sin, that doesn't mean you should be acting upon it. We should be waging war against these sins. 
So while there are many of these who will fall to these false foundations and many who will reject Jesus Christ, we should never look at them as those people. We should look at them with a broken heart because we were once those people. Look at verses 9 and 10 in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the One who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Listen, mercy, and then there's grace, the grace and love of God. These were free gifts by God. You did nothing, I did nothing to receive those gifts. But we praise God for those gifts. And I think we need to get to a point because it's very easy in our culture to get to a point that wants to divide, that wants to put all of us in different camps and, and, and um, label us. It's very easy, again, to say, like, oh, look at those people and, and not have love and compassion and be heartbroken for them. Listen, the Apostle Paul in Romans, as, as he's writing the letter of Romans, he says something about his people in Israel that says, I am so heart, I'm paraphrasing here, but I am so heartbroken that my brothers, the Jewish nation, heartbroken that my, my brothers, the, Jew, the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, have rejected Christ. Like Paul was will, he said, if I could, I would give up my salvation to see them saved. Are we just as heartbroken for the lost? Last thing that Peter talks about here in the last two verses here in this uh, this chapter that we're covering tonight, we call this section urgency. Urgency. And put it simply, see in verse 11, he says, Dear friends, I urge you, I urge you, as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorable among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day He visits. There's an urgency. Peter is telling you, listen, we are at war. There are sinful things within our own flesh, within the world, and the enemy, the devil himself, who want to kill, steal, and destroy you. Kill this world. Destroy the people in this world. And this is a war that happens, especially in our flesh, every single day. Listen, when you become a believer... It doesn't mean you become perfect. It doesn't mean that you don't endure trials. It doesn't mean that you're sinless. But you should have a desire to sin less. Do you get the difference? We don't become sinless, but we should desire to sin less. And there's this war that goes in, and maybe you felt that inside one thing you want to do good, and you know you should do good, but on the other hand, you still cave to doing the bad things. And the Apostle Paul himself in Romans chapter 7, starting at verse 14, says the same thing. For we know that the law, law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold as a slave under sin. For I do not understand what I am doing, because I do not practice what I want to, but I do what I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that is good. So now I am no longer the one doing it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now, if I do what I do not want to do... I am no longer the one that does it, but it it is the sin that lives in me. So I discovered this law. When I want to do what is good, evil is present with me. For in my inner self I delight in God's, God's law, but I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with, one mind, with my mind, I myself am serving the law of God, but with my flesh, 
the law of sin. Do you see the battle that's taking place? Real quick, Dante. Okay, here's, here's, I said it briefly, but here's what he's pretty much saying. In his heart, he knows what to do good. He knows, he knows what to do, he knows what the law, of God, he knows what God's word says. He knows that he should pursue, pursue holy living. But, there's a war with his flesh, our sinful nature desire that is trying to pull him away from that holy living. And so he goes back and forth with this inner battle that's in our souls. If that makes sense. Between good and evil. And he knows what to do good. He knows how to live. But sometimes he doesn't do it. Who's there? Who's ever been there? All of our hands should be up. We've all sinned. We, uh, hey, I know I want to do this, but I actually don't end up doing it. And then he says, the things that I don't want to do, I still end up doing them. And so we see this inner war that's going place. But he praises at the end. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ who is our Lord. He's saying that it is because of Christ. It is because the foundation of who Jesus Christ is that He has saved my soul. And He is the only one that can fight and beat this war. That's why prayer is important. That's why being in God's Word is important. Anytime you are tempted to, to sin or anything like that, you go to God's Word and, and pray through it. And if, if you fail... You sin, but you still love God. Here's the thing. This is where asking for forgiveness comes into play. Repenting of the sin and asking God, give me the wisdom to overcome this next time, to pray through it next time. Teach me to not desire to have this sin in my life. Romans 13, 12-14 says this, The night is nearly over, and the day is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. I want to close with this. Worship team, you guys can head on up. A little quick poem by a guy named Thomas Brooks. And he said this. He promises honor. And this is regarding the Satan. This is regarding Satan. Let me rephrase that. Thomas Brooks wrote this. Satan promises the best but pays with the worst. Satan promises the best, but pays with the worst. He promises honor and pays with disgrace. He promises pleasure and pays with pain. He promises profit and pays with loss. And Satan, he promises life, but he pays with death. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters in Christ, it is not our desire, it is not God's desire to see you fall to the schemes of the enemy. He does not want to see you end up um, spiritually dead. He doesn't want to see you eternally away from Him. God, Father, has a desire for you to be in communion with Him. And Ephesians 6.12 says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. My hope and prayer that you have the same urgency, the same desire that Peter is talking about here to fight the spiritual war. And the only way you can fight that spiritual war is through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank You for this evening, Lord. I thank You for just being able, by Your grace, Lord, to to go through these 12 verses freely, Lord. 
God, I don't know how much longer your hand uh, will allow us to, and your sovereign plan, allow us to freely be able to gather, to, to not have to worry about whether or not we're going to get in trouble for reading your word or even proclaiming your word, Lord God. So Father, I first and foremost, I personally ask for forgiveness for at times when I have taken your, your word for granted, or even taken you, Father, for granted. I pray that we don't have a, a, a heart that takes your word, takes you for granted, Lord, but that we have a desire, as it says here, to, a, a desire for your truth, for the word of Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that we are building our foundation truly on you, Jesus. Not on anything else, but our foundation is truly built on you and you alone. Father, I pray today if there's any students in here who are, are wrestling with some sins or, or feel that uh, uh, war that Paul talks about in, the, in our hearts, Father, I pray that they have the urgency that Peter calls us. I pray that all of us have that urgency. Anytime we're tempted in sin, anytime that, uh, that we feel that war taking place in our hearts, Lord God, that we have the urgency to pray or be in Your Word. God, I also pray, though, if, if we fail and we do sin, that we have the urgency to repent and seek your forgiveness, Lord. Because, God, you're, you and you alone are the only one that can fight these battles for us. You're the only one that, that wins. You're the only one that claims victory over these spiritual battles because you, Christ, have conquered Death. You have defeated. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And that means not just over the physical realm, but the metaphysical realm, over the spiritual darkness and demons. You are King and Lord over it all. Father, I pray that we have the humility to come to You, to seek Your face, to strengthen us, but to ultimately glorify You and boast and boast in You alone. I pray this in Jesus' name.